to be or not to be? That's the question. Hi, everybody. Welcome to the Fundamentalist Podcast. It's been a second. My name is Elliot. I'm here with Peter Rollins. Guys, I got real sick. Pete, I got yeah, real sick. You got, I know what happened, man. What, what went I got on? hit by a train, a bus, uh, <laughs> and I thought it was COVID. I got a rapid test and a PCR test. The one where they, I finally got the one that goes directly up your nose. Have you had that one? Uh, I've done one where they kind of scratch around your upper nose. Yeah, has it, has it gone into your skull, though? That no, one? no, not that. Just, I've heard sometimes it, <laughs> they go real deep. Yeah, it was up. real deep. It yeah. was um, when it was done. I was like a different person. It was crazy, mm. and I'd been able to avoid that one for a while. Got that one done because I wanted to make sure, so I wasn't spreading it. And uh, yeah, by the time this goes up, I'll probably be in Ohio, also Columbus and Liberty Township. Liberty Township on August eighteenth, and Columbus on August nineteenth, Wednesday and Thursday, respectively. Uh, but yeah, dude, I got so sick. Uh, that was a quick plug, by the way. Tickets at elliotmorgan.com/tour. I'm like a robot right yeah, now. That was good. Are you do? Are you gonna? Have you been? Are you doing the same set? Are you changing anything up from yeah. what you've been doing? What's where's that? At? Just trying to add new stuff, play with the new stuff. I'm trying to just see what happens. You know, I'm enjoying the 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 talks so far. Uh, there's something in it, but it's absolute. It's just like a messy, amorphous thing right now, um, and I, I don't know if it's gonna continue on to become something that gets produced or if it's going to be something where I go, I might take these and make videos out of them or do more writing with them or something. Because you're like very that. active on your YouTube channel. Yeah, so yeah, too much. Yeah, too much. Can't even keep the jets. But here's the thing. Workaholic. There might be some events happen that I might get real active on it real soon, depending on how everything goes. But Ooh. we'll talk about that on another podcast. Oh, wow. I'm excited. <laughs> yeah, it's going to be very exciting. But anyway, yeah. uh, how are you doing, man? I'm good. I watched a great movie last night. What? Pig? Have you heard of Pig? Dude, I, I saw the trailer for Pig and uh, we were like, um, we have to watch this at some point. Yeah, but it was yeah. too intense for that. Oh, 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 I watched Prometheus. Oh, is that for the first time? Oh, yeah, because you'd never watched any of the Alien movies yeah. until like last year. Yeah. So have you have you been doing them in order? Have you gone nah. one by? Oh, no. Nah. You've got to do them in order? Nah. nah. Well, now I guess I'm going in order like according to the timeline. Oh, well, yeah, well, uh, <laughs> that's more true. So did you go straight from Alien to Prometheus? I did. Oh, wow. Okay, so what did you think of it? That is a boring movie. <laughs> that was a very, very boring movie, and I see why you like it. Yeah. I totally get why you like it. I get what happens at the end, which was pretty powerful, pretty yeah. uh, intense. I don't know if you know what I'm talking about. I won't spoil anything. It's a movie from 10 years ago. Uh, basically, yeah. the, the godlike figure just... Kills everybody, rips everybody apart when he finally sees them. Um, and it was, you know, a little gut wrenching, but um, I love, I, I enjoyed it. I did enjoy yeah. it. But it, after it was done, I was like, that was a lot. This is a long, yeah, long film. But Pig, Pig's real good. Pig's real good. I mean, see, the thing about Prometheus, by the way, which yes. I like. So Prometheus, I think some people disagree. A lot of people disagree, but I think it's the, I think it's the most philosophical of all of the alien movies. Which makes it a bit slow, and even then they cut a lot out. Um, so I've looked. There's like little really? uh, script bits you can find of what was cut out and stuff. Ah. So absolutely fascinating. Um, I think I did a talk on it, but I think that's invisible. I'll give that to the um, patrons. Great, that my Patreon dot com um, slash the fundamentalist. There you go. But yeah, Prometheus is the most philosophical, but it's the le- the most pondering but also covenant was very pondering as well which is the next one um <coughs> you, you haven't done aliens yet have you the second no one? I haven't oh, done that's, aliens that's the just that's, that's the one that's right? the one like that's just a good action kind of movie um i'm very excited to see aliens i apologize for coughing and i apologize for, to cam for having to work around my um disgustingness but i will say also about prometheus um they might be like the worst scientists ever like uh, <laughs> they seem so disorganized and yeah. they seem like they have no idea what they're doing 
I don't know who's trying to help who. They're obsessed with not wearing their helmets. Yeah. <laughs> when things are like very clearly you should be putting on your protective helmet. Uh, maybe that's just a result of the pandemic. But I was like, these are... These people are terrible at what they do, but uh, yeah. You know, what's in, you know what's interesting as well? Like that, yeah, that's very true. And the guy, whenever the kind of alien slime yeah. becomes a snake, he's like, oh. Oh, it's cute. <laughs> like, what are you doing? Yeah. But the, the thing that's fascinating about that movie is that, um, so there's always this talk of the slime being like a, a, a weapon of mass destruction, you know? But, but what you see in Prometheus is, and this is, uh, there's a reading of that. I can't remember who did it. I think it's a great reading. But when you see how the black slime acts, what it does is it seems to uh, manifest the essence of whatever species it encounters. So for the alien at the beginning who gives up life mm -hmm. and dies uh, through drinking this the, the, the slime, the bowl, it gives life to an entire planet, right? So, so this is a species that is able to self-sacrifice and then the slime brings life. To the android, the slime does nothing because it's yeah. the android. To humans, the humans who are all have death drive, one guy who, who refuses to die, so the opposite of the alien, this guy who, uh, what's his name, Wayland, who, who wants to live forever, basically. Um, oh, the old guy. The old guy, guy yeah. Guy Pierce, so, yeah. So, there, so, that you, so every character in Prometheus is kind of, you see the drive. One's a drive for fame, one's a drive for eternal life, one's a drive for truth. And then when they encounter the slime, the kind of like eternal uh, zombie-like drive that is kind of like non-utilitarian comes into being. So it's a great cool. origin story of, of what the slime is. It's right. the manifestation of death drive well, for humans. Now, all right. Now I'm back to kind of liking it, I guess. <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah, I was telling you earlier, I'm taking a class on like, folklore and fairy tales mythology and sort of all that stuff and um it's like i'll read like a fairy tale uh or like a story or watch a movie or something and i'll be like all right cool but then the sort of interpretations of it afterward are so fun and so uh, cool of just being like this is this impulse this is what you're seeing on like a psychological level it's so that stuff's so fascinating. So, and I'd almost rather read the papers on the movies oh, than yeah. watch the movies themselves. 100%. That's why Shizek says he doesn't watch some of the movies he talks about because he's interested in the structural analysis more yeah. than the movie itself. Yeah, because um, the movies yeah. are boring. Yeah, exactly. And that, that's why I fell in love with Prometheus is that I thought it was, um, it was really insightful. Yeah. It's, Speaking of, uh, this is a great transition to our topic today. Oh, yeah. Which is on meaning. Meaning. Hence to be or not to be, which I just put together before we hit record, that that is essentially, uh, should I kill myself or not kill myself? Yeah. <laughs> and I think I've lived 34 years on this planet and not put together that that is kind of what he's talking about when he says that. Yeah. Hence holding the skull, Elliot, you idiot. So uh, we have talked, we talk a lot about meaning on this mm -hmm. podcast. Uh, we talk a lot about what or lack of meaning and how you deal with lack of meaning. So... Pete, I would yeah. like to hear you spin a little yarn. I'd yeah. like to hear what your thoughts are on it, where you're at currently. Mm -hmm. What do you kind of like to think is going on? Do you think that anything you do matters? Do you think that it matters if it does or doesn't matter? Does that make you feel good or bad? Do no. you care? That's Who? beautiful. You know? Yeah. Welcome to the fundamentals. <laughs> do you care? Yeah. I'm a little groggy and I'm sorry. 
I was very groggy. I told you I was almost not going to do this, but I wakened I up, livened up because we, we missed a week with your illness. I mean, I'm sorry. Yeah. I mean, to be or not to be was a great way of opening this because I said to you that my inspiration for this topic was uh, Camus, who at the beginning of the myth of Sisyphus says the only philosophical question worth contemplating is whether or not to kill yourself. Um, and that's a really, I mean, Camus was very kind of cool and interesting guy, but that's a very nice way of saying it. Rather than philosophers talking about meaning, Camus says, no, like literally this is a question. We for can dumb us. it down. Yeah, dumb it down. Yeah, whether, <laughs> should we live well, or die? Why are we trying to be all academic here? Should I kill myself or should I not kill myself? Yeah. So beautifully put together. And the myth of Sisyphus is his, uh, you know, there's essays that are, I guess, an answer to that question. But the reason why I thought about it is because I saw... This will get dark real quick. <laughs> no, yeah, yeah. no, I saw a quote from Karl Popper on Instagram. Um, he's an Instagrammer. And uh, it was saying something to the, something like, uh, if in a million years, you know, basically the universe is indifferent to us. But, you know, and in a million years, the universe doesn't care that we ever existed. However, he said, you know, at the moment we care and we don't care what's happening in the future. But basically he was doing that idea of like the universe is kind of indifferent to us. And I kind of wanted to question that. Uh, and I actually gave a talk on Saturday about this thing, about this very subject. And what I, so what I wanted to say, here's my little bit. I can't wait. All right. Your thesis. My thesis is that uh, we often think like the old Buddhist and Hindu and Jainist uh, parable. You know, do you know the parable of the six blind men who encounter an elephant? Yeah. Right, yeah. And one of them touches the trunk and says, oh, this is snake. like a snake. And one of them touches the side. To, uh, oh, this must wall. be the uh, wall. Yeah, wall. I was say, this leg. must be the belly of an elephant. <laughs> <laughs> yep. <laughs> that was the guy who got it right. Yeah. One of the blind men was correct. Yes, a blind man <laughs> finds an elephant every once in a yeah, while. Yeah, guys, guys, just don't feel one bit of it. Just go around and feel it all. Hey, guys, it's an elephant. <laughs> we work together. Are you nuts? No, it's a tree. The leg is a <laughs> the tree. The leg is a yeah. tree. The tail is a rope. The uh, the, the trunk, or sorry, the tusk is a spear, yeah. and the ear is a fan. Um, and this is a very Kantian idea that we are like the blind man touching the universe, and the universe is kind of indifferent to us, and we're separate from the universe, touching it, trying to work it out, and all of that. But if you take a more Hegelian look at the universe, you could say that the universe is not the elephant being encountered by six blind men, the universe is the elephant encountering itself through the manifestation of itself in six blind men, which means if you think that the universe is indifferent, no, that's the universe thinking it's indifferent through you, mm -hmm. right? You are the universe thinking that it's indifferent. You are a manifestation of the universe seeing itself, experiencing itself, inventing itself and discovering itself. And so, um, you're, the fact that you separate yourself from the universe and say, the universe is indifferent to me, is forgetting that you arise out of the universe and you are the kind of, you're the quantum oscillation of the universe manifested, manifested in consciousness. And therefore, everything you do is meaningful. Well, okay. All right. Yeah. That sounds a bit woo-woo. No, exactly. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. I like that. <laughs> do more of that. <laughs> Damn, I don't want to sound too new agey. That's like, not new You get so close. 
I'm like, he's going to do it. He's going to get real mystical. He's going to yeah. become a mystic. Here it is. Because yeah. you were worried I was going to go all nihilistic for a second, weren't you? You thought. Or you'd go nihilistic and then come out the other end of the, the poop hole where you go like, ah, you're so nihilistic, but in the nihilism you can find meaning because yeah, of everything's meaningless, everything's meaningful, which is kind of what you did. But I get the idea. Yeah. It's still there. Yeah. But see, I, the, yeah, this is slightly different because and it's, it's more up your street because it's kind of saying, but in a non-woo-woo way, it's saying that we, it's not that there's a universe and that we get plonked into it. It's like the universe has a type of antagonism or quantum dimension to it. And that over billions of years, matter blossoms into life. Life blossoms into proto-consciousness. Proto-consciousness blossoms into consciousness. Consciousness blossoms into self-consciousness and self-consciousness blossoms into reason. So when we come to look at the universe, that is the universe, as I say, looking at itself because we have blossomed out of it. So our internal world is a reflection of reality itself. Do you believe no no part of you is eternal? Well, in that that story, I would say that I'm saying that there is an eternal dimension. Like insofar as nothingness has an antagonism in it. And if that is inter- eternal, then, and we share in that, even though the ego is just a kind of, you know, a blip, the, what we are experiencing is a moment in the universe. So that's eternal. <clears throat> Which means it's beautiful. It means like, this is like, everything is, is the unfolding of the universe. Oh, it's beautiful. And so, like mathematics, or giving look out there, art. what could possibly not be seen as beautiful? <laughs> yeah, it's impressive. But it is incredible, though. It is, uh, yeah. Keep going. You were saying something. Oh yeah. Well, even things like so, when we give ourselves over to pursuits, like even like something like mathematics, is you're discovering. You are. So people talk about is mathematics invented or discovered? Ooh, if it's I love invent, that. Yeah, you know. So people say it's invented because it comes from the human mind, and then some people say no, it's discovered. There's a mathematical fine. dimension in reality. But from this perspective, it's a parallax, it's both, right? It's, in, it's invented, but because it's invented by a mind that arises out of the universe, it's a discovery. It's a yeah. discovery of the universe. It's the universe discovering mm-hmm. itself. So that's incredible. That means that we're gaining insight into the very nature of reality. We get the, we get the um, that's a very incredible position to have, to, to, be, to be able to, for a moment. This is, that. you've talked before about, um, your uh, take on Kant. Oh, yeah. And uh, my understanding of Kant is basically, the, you know, categories and you like the blind men sort of thing. Your brain has categories, that filters information, and as a result, you can never really know what is. Uh, you can only know what appears to be. Uh, but that what appears to be funnels through these, you know, your brain circuitry. Um, n- neuro Neurologists, neurobiologists, I think would, say similar things about perception and about nerve endings and how they all connect and all this stuff. But it's that, um, can you trust that what is, that this life is actually real, that there is stuff around you. And then my understanding is that most people would read Kant and go, he's actually saying, no, you, you, you can't. It's that sort of like, um, shadows, the platonic, the Plato thing where you're chained in a cave and you see shadows on the wall and you think that's what's actually going on. And if you were to turn around behind you, you would see that it's just puppets or horses or whatever. It's not what you think it is. Reality is not what you think it is. Uh, 
And so, but you're saying because of that, because those categories, because those perceptions are a result of the outside world, you can have some inkling as to the fact that this is, this is reality in some degree. This is in some way reality. But yeah, but you're, you're right. Absolutely, because Kant didn't go there. Kant, so yeah, and Kant split the world into the phenomenal, which is, yeah, what we can know mm -hmm. through our senses, through our intuition, which is our sensory experience, and through our rational transcendental categories. Um, and then there is the noumenal, and the noumenal is the in itself, and we don't have any yeah. access to that. And yes, when we talked about Kant before on an episode that never went out, um, I was kind of, yes. We're so good at those. Yeah, <laughs> that, was, that was a good one too. Um, We're actually prolific podcasters. Yeah, we do <laughs> three times a week, <laughs> yeah. just for us. Um, but yeah, I was. we were talking about this and I was saying how, well, Kant does want to grind a certain knowledge, what he calls uh, synthetic a priori yeah. knowledge, but it is different from the noumenal. So you're absolutely right. So what Hegel does is Hegel says that Kant, because Kant creates these things called the antimonies, the antimonies of reason, where he says like... Well, that's not a real word. Yeah, yeah that's right. It's made up words. Yeah. yeah. And uh, it's where the antinomy, an antinomy is basically a contradiction. And he said like, you can't know, and one of, he, he lists loads of them. One of them is, did the universe start or is it eternal? Uh, one is, are we free or is everything determined? Um, is there a God or no God? So there's these, these antimonies and he says, reason, you can be very, you can be completely reasonable and go to either direction, yeah. right? Um, and that was his way of saying, so there's some problem with uh, reason. And so he wants understanding, not reason. Reason kind of gets us to these limits. Hegel then turns around and says, these limits are not um, an imp impediment, impediment to our knowledge of the universe. These are the universe itself. In other words, the universe has antinomy based within it. So it's basically the move from classical physics to, to modern physics to, you know, where in modern physics you have the idea of a kind of quantum oscillation mm -hmm. within reality. That's what Hegel was saying in the 1700s, is that, that the, Kant got it right. Kant had an insight into reality. Kant just didn't realize it. Kant didn't realize that the fact he said is like, when I try and use my reason completely consistently, I hit a kind of antagonism. And then Hegel says, yes, that's an insight into the nature of reality. Paradox. Yeah, paradox is a kind of paradox or parallax or yeah. Parallax uh, is the word, yeah. And you like, parallax means both at the same time. Yeah, depending on, yeah, your, the position you take. Oh, really? So, yeah, you, you, it, things shift in relation to your positioning. But um, I love all that stuff, yeah. man. I'm such a sucker for that quantum physics Oh, emergence, great. chaos, oh, so cool. That yeah. stuff is so cool. And Hegel was saying is literally in the 1700s, he is the basis of like, you know, a lot of modern thought. Yeah. Even, even from people who haven't read him, you know. Well, let's, let's distill this for a second because that's a lot of, uh, in case you're new to the podcast, good to see it. Uh, but the can't, why is this stuff um, important? Just go real oh. broad strokes because we're talking about the idea of meaning and we're talking about whether or not uh, meaning exists. So to, to just summarize the best I can, the reason Kant is important is because he uh, essentially, why would Kant be important? I know he's important. Yeah. Why, yeah. How so, would you say in like a sentence that Kant, why is he 
Yes. Why is he so important? He's so influential. Yeah, so same important. way like uh, Descartes and all that is super influential. Like our, our the way we think is a result of uh, like six people. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so, yeah. Exactly. It is like these and we don't canonical realize. figures that are incredible. Rogues yeah. Gallery. It's the Suicide Squad of dorks. Yes. <laughs> well, we have to talk about that as well. I watched it the other night. I really enjoyed it. Fun, right? Yeah. Yeah. yeah way yeah. better than the first one. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yes. Absolutely. Um, oh, yes. Yeah. So, yeah Kant, why is Kant so important? I mean, he is so vitally important because. It's funny because Hegel almost kind of reverses it again, but what Kant does is he kind of helps us understand what we can and can't know, and he helps us understand how we filter reality, and he helps us to see what questions are meaningless, as in questions that are that are that can't be answered. He's a critique yeah. of metaphys. He's a critique of traditional metaphysics. Um, uh, and he's a real, he's the founder of science. He's the founder, really, of the scientific method in some ways. Yeah. Yeah. Is he? Kind of, yeah, I mean, his, his thinking is, is he, he really wanted to give science a foundation beyond just probability, right? He didn't think science was just, we see something happening a hundred times, but it still doesn't mean it's going to happen 101 times. If you mm -hmm. boil water at the same temperature a thousand times, doesn't mean you never know. You yeah. just know the probability. Yeah. yeah. So Kant you can wants never to say what's that. going to happen next. Exactly. And Kant wants to kind of overcome that and say, and that's why he's not a relativist, is because he's giving he gives science a foundation to make claims about about uh, predictability. Yeah. Um, uh, but but at the same time, Kant. It kind of limits, he kind of almost says, yeah, there's a whole realm of reality that is in principle completely uh, impossible for us yeah. to experience. Yes or no, do you think there's meaning in the universe? Yes. I think yes. What happened to you, Pete? Yeah, I know. Yeah. Well, Have I been an influence on you? Yeah. This is my. This is me. I'm going to take credit for this one, guys. Yeah. Uh, but you believe there's meaning in the universe? Well, I, yeah, I believe that. If we feel that we that the universe is meaningless, that is the universe experiencing meaninglessness, which means that's an insight into the nature of reality. So that's a yeah that we're we're connected. We're kind of that's cosmic. There's a cosmic yeah. dimension to that. There's yeah, a, you know. I think it's a choose your own adventure. Yeah. I think if you say it's meaningless, you're going to have a meaningless, uh, the, your life will prove how meaningless it is and but, you'll have a great yeah. time. I believe in a participatory element to yeah. existence. Which is I, also, I also think that like, yeah, yeah, you know, in the modern world, meaninglessness is a thing you have to go deeply into. Like, that's what Paul Tillich argued in The Courage to Be, where he said like the modern individual, in order to overcome meaninglessness is you have to go all the way into it. And, yeah. I'm less concerned about meaninglessness as I am soullessness mm. because I am a believer in a soul, which might be a step further than you're willing to, to go. Well, what do you, I've got, a, I've, got a de, I've got a definition of soul. Tell me your Well, I was kind of hinting at it with, do you believe there's an element uh, of us that is timeless or eternal? And I believe, yeah, there's a, a soul, there's a soul element to us. I don't know that our mind is, uh, is, is uh, limited to our skulls. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I get. Uh, so it's almost like our in a Kantian way we exist within mind, psyche, and then those categories that Kant talks about uh, are what we sort of are the sort of biological, neurological manifestations of of the whole thing. Yeah, it's a yeah. little woo woo -wee. Well, no, well, here's but it's a correct. non woo woo of saying it, right? 
Because <laughs> so if soul is a metaphysical category, so it's beyond physics, it's not a material yes. thing. It's well, not it's massless. It can even be in physics. It just it would lack mass. If it lacks mass, it can travel through time and in space. Okay. Anything that lacks mass can do that. And since you cannot find the soul in the body, it would stand to reason that it is a massless substance. Yeah. Okay. Well, yeah. Although you can have massless, like there, there is a, like isn't light photons? They're massless, but we would call them. I, I, like he, wow. this, I've never weighed my one. Area, but like that's the rate of speed of light is because they're without mass. In fact, that's what the Higgs boson. Oh, I don't know all that. It's, I don't know how much a drop of a sunlight weighs, but, uh, but I think a soul is weightless, and therefore, if it's weightless and 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 massless, then it it is not succumbing to time because time is relative to mass. Okay. Uh, okay, let me push this further, see what you think, right? It's in the pituitary gland. What's that? And it's in the pituitary gland. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Someone believed that. Yeah, I forget yeah. who it was. It was one of the big ones. Descartes, yeah. Was it Descartes? <laughs> yeah, I think yeah. it was. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was just kind of a side thing. He was trying to figure out how mind and body uh, uh, yeah. interacted, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, it, right, let's, let's go with a kind of the idea of the soul as, as, as nothing, not something as a, as a nothing. And if there is a type of real, what's called real or nothing or antagonism or lack in reality, that then manifests itself in different ways. So in physics, it manifests itself in quantum indeterminacy. In biology, it manifests itself yeah, in terms this, yeah. of evolution. Yeah. In humans, it, it manifests itself in, conscious, in self-consciousness. So, and in dick jokes. And into, yes, <laughs> you got it. Yeah, that's the highest level. Yeah. Um, then if, if the soul is the name for, as I say, not something, but a type of nothingness that's in something, if, but that's, I think that's a philosophical definition, and you would say, yeah, I believe there is soul pen, interpenetrates everything, but that just means saying that the universe is not at one with itself, and the not at oneness is what we could call a soul. Mm, interesting. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, mm, mm. so plants have it. Even rocks have it. Why not? Humans have it. Yeah. Hey, um, we'll be Oprah with souls. Mm. You get one. You get one. Mm. Inanimate objects can get one. Yeah. That's fine. Yeah. I don't mind. Yeah. I think but, everyone could have a soul. I don't care. But then, but my definition of soul might be is, is less substantive than yours. Oh, really? Is it or is it? Well, I don't even. First of all. You're going to have to re-say everything. <laughs> you're going to you have think. to listen next time. First of all, I'm going to have to pay attention to what you're saying next time. Uh, I do want to hear what you have to say, but I'm going to make another drink roll. Oh, yeah. Uh, do you need one? Or are you um, I'm okay. Anyway, what were you saying, Pete? We're back. Oh, yeah. So here's the thing, right? The soul. If the soul, you take all the definition out of it and you say soul is a type of kind of antagonism in reality that, that goes up a level every time you go from inorganic matter to life, from life to proto-consciousness, proto-consciousness, consciousness, right? every time you go up a level, soul becomes uh, more sophisticated right up to reason and then right up to cultural. To whatever's next yeah. too, yeah. And if that's the name for soul, then I think that's a philosophical definition. You go, yeah, there, there is, that's something that, that we are, that we, like consciousness is a type of gap in reality. It's a type of space, you know, it's a type of uh, spatiality. That's what kind of like consciousness is. Now, do you still believe, or, or, am, I, or am I getting wrong what you, uh, 
I think you've said in the past about consciousness being a deviation of evolution rather than a part of it. Because I, I take issue with that one because I don't like it, and I don't, I don't think it. I don't think that's. Yeah. I don't like it. And and I, and if I said that, that's not quite right. Like I do think that consciousness is a manifestation of this yeah. oscillation in reality. Um, what it, maybe the ego is a little bit kind of like neither here nor there, but. But I guess what I yeah what I say is almost given enough time the universe is going to create consciousness and self consciousness and reason yeah yeah uh, okay okay I gotta tell you about um, going off on a tangent here yeah. for a second <clears throat> we have to do a uh, book review like episode oh soon. yeah um, and I'm cool if it's on the Patreon uh, only um, but. There is a book that was recommended to me by a buddy of mine named Aaron, who you know. Aaron. Van Voorhees. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Uh, I great. always say Aaron. We say Aaron in Ireland, so I always say Aaron. was Aaron. Yeah. yeah. Um, Aaron. Aaron. Uh, <laughs> and uh, he recommended the book to me. He's also into the UFO uh, phenomenon and uh, not connoisseur. To, he's a bit connoisseur. of a connoisseur. Yeah. And yes, I, you sent me an article and I was critical of it. I know you were. You were critical of a critical theory article. And yes. uh, we can talk about that as well on oh, a different yeah. podcast because <laughs> I don't, I think it's hilarious. <laughs> This is just critical theory. I don't like critical theory. I also, I have a master's in critical theory. theory. Yeah. Like, good God. <laughs> it's like, it's like watching like a pinball machine. Yeah. <laughs> like, this article's really smart. This is a good article. It's critical theory. I don't like critical theory. I have a master's in critical theory. Yeah. I love it. I, felt, I always said that because Seven I, felt, I wanted to let you know that I was justified, not right necessarily, but I was justified in having a position. Yes, you have a, a very solid position. Yeah. But... um. I won't go into it right now. Basically, there's this book that you have to read, but it is, What's dude. It called? It's called the supernatural. Uh-huh. Okay. All right. Two words: uh-huh. supernatural. It's this idea that is not supernatural, not metaphysical, but it is in fact supernatural. Okay. Yeah. It fits within the scientific purview. They say that they're skeptics. Blah blah blah. It is a. It is a, a professor of religion interviewing a guy named uh, Whitley Stryber, who is one of the most famous abductee uh, stories. In history, you get the UFO thing every time, don't you? Get it in every. You time. did it last time. Uh, you did it last <laughs> time. What? Uh, you brought it up last oh, time okay. first, uh, and I brought it up this time. But most of the time, I do. Right. <laughs> uh, uh, but uh, it is the most batshit crazy book I have ever read in my life. Yeah, it is the definition of unbelievable. And yeah. I can't put it down. <laughs> I'm reading yeah. books for school. I'm 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 busy and trying to do my studies. Just reading this book. And is it is it a first person kind of account of something that happened? They, each chapter off oscillates between this guy gives his account, professor of uh, whatever says what he his take on it. He goes through phenomenology. He goes through hermene- hermeneutics, and he goes through. You know, historical context, all these things, and I'm sure you're going to take massive. You don't like the historical context of. Uh, oh, yeah, but it depends how it's used. Yeah, you know? yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. You oh. can basically, you can prove anything with critical theory. And good critical, like, critical theory is the philosophy, what alternative medicine is the medicine. Yeah, you anyway, said that yeah. in a text. Okay. <laughs> but doesn't, like, isn't that how it works, though? Well, yeah, I mean, so there's. Like, some, medicine starts as alternative medicine. Exactly. So there are some critical theorists, people like, uh, Foucault, I, I Deleuze, Guattari, even Derrida, they're all studied in critical theory, but they're also 
philosophers are studying philosophy. Ah, yeah, yeah, yeah. So anyway, but this is interesting. But, yeah. But yeah. that doesn't mean that new critical theory can't be great. No, hundred percent. Some some of it's some of it's good, but the good stuff rises to to a higher level, and then there's a lot of crap. There's a lot of crap. Well, this isn't critical theory, but this book is yeah. truly bonkers yeah. uh and it is fascinating at the very least it's an entertaining read and i i will uh i, I will i will bring Aaron it over was into this stuff you learn about different new things it's like whenever facebook first came about and you started to learn things about your friends because of what they posted i would never have thought Aaron was a <laughs> connoisseur of the ufo phenomenon he's a smart guy <laughs> uh he sees what i see yeah. it's a wonderful topic but um yeah it is uh absolutely fascinating and i, I just want to see your reaction when you yeah. read four chapters of it just like, like you wanted to see my you're reaction gonna text when me you and you're gonna be like a... what the hell is this and i'm gonna because that's what i did i texted her i was like this is barkers this is uh, the most insane thing he's like yeah you do like to do that every now and again you'll send me something just for a reaction just <laughs> <laughs> just like, hey, Pete. That's, yeah. Oh, we can say now it's, it was, uh, what was it? Uh, pretty Young Woman. Oh, Promising Young Promising Woman. Promising Young oh, yeah, Woman. Yeah, that yeah, was yeah, the, yeah. the, that was, the uh, <laughs> movie that I told, I knew Pete wasn't going to like. Yeah. Um, since I let it, enough time pass. Like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah about, but who gives yeah. crap? Uh, anyway, so there is meaning in the universe. What is it? Well, it, it, we are... We are the universe asking that question. That's my point. So because if you're separate from the universe, <coughs> then the universe is pretty much everything and we're just these little blips. Yeah. But if we are kind of a moment in the life of the universe, then there's no kind of like then, then our experience of consciousness is a type of experience of the universe seeing itself, feeling itself, encountering itself in its antagonism, which means that we basically have this beautiful position in which for a brief moment we participate in something of truly cosmic uh, dimensions. Yeah. That's pretty damn cool. Yeah. Um, now, on an individual level, th there's a guy, Victor, you know Viktor Frankl a little bit. Mm -hmm. have you? So his logotherapy, he, whenever someone would come into his therapy uh, clinic, he would often ask the question, why do you not kill yourself? Which is quite a stark you know, kind of thing. But if someone's going to ask it. Yes, he's the one. And, and he would ask that because always he would say is that even people who have lost all desire, so whenever you are depressed, it's not just that you lost an object of desire, you lost the object cause of your desire. So you lost the very ability to desire. So whenever you love somebody and you lose them, they're not just the object of your desire, they're also the object cause of your desire. They, they allow you to desire other things like going out for meals, going for work. Da, da, da. So all, life becomes colorful. When you lose the object of desire, you also lose the object cause yeah, of your everything. desire. And, goes, and everybody's depressed. And, but, but Frankl, you know, was the idea that there's, but there's always some affirmation of life going on in life. There's all, even if it's just a spark, you will always find a care and a concern in every, well, in every living thing, but in every, in every yeah. human being, you'll find care and concern. And what, what, it's almost dead, it's kind of very small, but you can build on that. And that's another reason why it's like, it's like there's always already, there is already meaning going on in your life. It's not that you have to find meaning, you just have to discover the meaning that is already there going on. You look for it, yeah. Yeah, you look, yeah. You look for it, like, not out there, but you look for it within your own subjectivity, yeah. yeah. I mean, I like both, though. Mm. You know, I like that, sh that, sh this, that stuff. Yeah. Yeah, this is, so I'm, I'm probably more like you today, is that right? You yeah, it's of, nice. 
Yeah. Feels nice, right? Yeah. I was worried too because you said you were low energy earlier. And so, so I didn't I know if your pant- take on meaning was going to be like, <laughs> here we go. Yeah. Buckle up, everybody. Oh, yeah. That's why you were kind of, you were slightly kind of encouraging me to do something else. They're like, you know what You want to talk about anything else? You want to talk about aliens or something? You were like, let's talk about imagination. Like, something positive. Well, what's your meaning in this universe, Pete? What's your purpose? Oh, yeah. Well, you know, my work is very meaningful to me, and I suppose that's the ongoing kind of thing. By the way, I didn't ask, like, do you th- you think the world's meaningful? What do you mean mm-hmm. by meaning? What do you mean by that term? Well, I mean, I guess if you're going to put me on the spot like this, I guess, uh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I love, I, I think it's a, um, I think we know so little, and it's so just looking at the world, looking at everything that's been going on, looking at what I've been alive for, looking at my own life, it certainly seems to me that there is a, a meaning and a current and a, all sorts of wonderful things. I love archetypal psychology. I'm enjoying it very much. Um, that certainly certain um, interpretations of archetypal psychology uh, are that there is for sure meaning and there's for sure patterns that you go through in life and you can choose to ignore it or choose to to sort of be conscious of it. And I think that really, I will borrow a quote from you. It is the privilege of a lifetime to become who you truly are. I think it's a very lovely phrase. And so I think our job is to just basically become who we're, who we are. I become ourselves basically. And I think that by doing that, you allow something to move through you, perhaps a soul, perhaps a self archetype. And you get to, uh, you get to sort of have this balance between your ego, your personal, who you think you are, and then something else. And you can live, uh, you can live in a nice way. And doesn't mean, it usually means things get harder and usually means things get more complex. And it's a moment by moment thing. There's no theory that can save you from anything. There's no worldview that can save you from anything. There's no religion that can save you from anything. And you can just learn over time to moment by moment have a, uh, be who you are. Mm-hmm. I think that's a lifetime of a work, basically. Yeah. So yeah, I so and you and you know this. Like I think that you're the more you have more slightly more spiritual dimension, and I have a slightly more materialist Amen. dimension. But um, but there's but there is some meeting of minds in the midst of that kind of yeah yeah idea. Um, you're I more materialist in the but you mean you yeah yeah. But what, what does what do what does Jung mean by like? Because I'm always wary, obviously, of this idea of true self. But, uh, but well, yeah, what does he mean by that? No, I don't know. I just study the guy. I don't know what he means by anything. Yeah. He's dead. <laughs> uh, I mean, my understanding of it is like, yeah, you are a person. I don't think you ever get there. I think that you, I, I, my understanding of your critique of it, correct me if I'm wrong, but it basically is uh, you, you worry that there is sort of maybe a false promise or like a, uh, almost religious kind of like, oh, you can become, you're going to be evolved, like that kind of, uh, you're going to evolve above other people and you're going to become one with the universe and live in harmony and never experience any kind of doubt. Or, or you can you can overcome, even for a brief time, you can overcome the antagonism of existence. Yeah, I, dis, I don't think that's how I feel. Mm-hmm. I think that the uh, idea of wholeness includes lack, it includes contradiction, it includes... Uh, holes basically so i think that uh i think that's the uh, it's funny that you say this i'm doing my project is on the 
black hole from um, the portable hole from Roger Rabbit. You oh, know that? Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was like, what's the stupidest thing I could write a paper on? Yeah. Um, and so, but it is about the idea of, of lack and about all that, but it's included in it. So I don't think that there's any kind of harmonious thing. And I know Jung gets credit because he started or at least is largely been sort of um, adopted by a lot of the New Age movement, much of which I like, but uh, I don't read Jung in that way. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Is that what your concern is? Yeah. Um, now, the polarity, the enantiodromia, yeah. all that stuff, I, I do believe in. Yeah. 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 So, yeah, because Jung's kind of notion of like the unconscious as a type of balancing of the conscious, and there's a kind of like a um, yin and yang kind of thing you know that that's what i'm critical of yeah every um action has an equal and opposite reaction yeah 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 i mean that is that you know i there's a truth to that but yeah but um yes the idea of some sort of um equilibrium is uh is some like i uh, yeah well i would say that there's a difference between equilibrium and a move toward equilibrium Mm -hmm. would you say would you that's a very minute but that's a big that's a big thing like i I think that well it's also the difference between where you (coughs) where you situate the unconscious because yeah for with jung the unconscious is something so there's the conscious the unconscious equilibrium in the freudian thing the unconscious is the not at oneness of consciousness with itself yes so the unconscious isn't a thing it doesn't exist correct it insists yeah so that's uh, so so there's no equity you can't have equilibrium with the unconscious because the unconscious is the the name you give for the eternal uh, kind of um, imbalance. The sparks that fly off mm. between the id and the, the super ego, is yeah. that what it is? Yeah, yeah, which is kind of like a not at oneness of consciousness. Yeah. yeah, and then Jung's more like there's an iceberg and yeah. your ego is the tip of the iceberg and then you go into shadow, anim- yeah. animus, self, all these things. He purposefully chose mythopoetic language as a way of, you know, emphasizing that the psyche itself is is beyond uh, words. So yeah. It's yeah. all very fun. I like that more than I like the other one. <laughs> I don't know about all that. The, the, the you know, con- ego only being the result of this friction between the two things. I get it. It's cool. Mm-hmm. I think it's true. But you don't think that there's some kind of like shadow inside of you that's like... Uh, you know, when you dream, most of the time you would dream of things that in Freudian interpretation would be the shadow in Jungian terms, right? Yeah, yeah. There's wish you know, fulfillment and all that stuff. Yeah, the, the, yeah. So it isn't. Yeah, there's. It's just yeah. What's going on? Whether it's a depth dimension. So Jung's a depth psychologist, so he's like in the depth dimension, or whether uh, what 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 the unconscious is and all of that content is actually. Um, a kind of on the surface. Um, yeah. Yeah. But we've talked about that before in other podcasts. It's so. just a fundamental difference. It's just a, all it is is a fundamental difference. Uh, like yeah. an absolutely <laughs> uh, immovable object, yeah. an unstoppable force, subtle difference that we'll just skirt over real quick. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> We're not going to solve it today. I don't think. Uh, no, uh, I was listening to uh, my uh, professor today where it's this um, writing class, like I'm doing this. Uh, class on basically research and how to be, how to do all this and like do all the, you know, different research methods and um, 
how to basically write a dissertation. So I'm having to read all these books on basically how you, you're going to go about doing this and what your job is and how it works. And don't get freaked out. Don't lose your mind about it. And also don't become inflated. And I think that's my problem because I'm like, I like writing. This will be, I love writing. So this will be really fun. Uh, but it's also terrifying. So I don't know how you did it. Uh, how did you do it? Writing? The, the books? Dissertation. Or dissertation. Yeah, it's a biggie. Like it's a, so... Yeah, it's it's, but I have three years to do it. Three years. Three years. I'm gonna get it done in six months. Oh yeah. Well, how long's yours? Well, I mean, how long? It's two years. What's that? No, it's how long? How many? How many words? Two hundred pages. Oh yeah, it's not. I wonder what that word count is. Yeah. I have no idea. Uh, probably. Th- uh, anyway, I don't know. Yeah, yeah I'm yeah. beyond the ability. Yeah. I'm didn't. I'm not getting my degree in mm. math, man. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but he, she was given some credit to to Freud about something. It was some sort of like the death drive and the the constant, just like, yeah, you're always wanting to sabotage yourself. She was like, Freud nailed it. Like that is a thing that is true. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> which is great because in the rest of the program, a lot of times it's like from the depth psychological uh, standpoint. I'm like, there's got to be somebody in this dang school that loves Lacan, and I'm trying to find him, but I can't yeah. find him. Do, do any of them talk about him? <coughs> no, to the point that I'm going to start uh, bringing him up. I have brought him up in some um, discussion posts, but like, I want to uh, also learn more about Lacan because I still don't get what Lacan did, except you know, you look in a mirror. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the... like, I've done that my whole life. <laughs> Before I was aware that it was me. But, um, yeah, uh, the dissertation writing thing. How was it for you when you wrote your dissertation? And now we're just getting yeah. into me being... Now it's just a conversation. Yeah, there you go. You can switch off now if you want. Yeah, yeah. I, like, I really... I loved the old universe thing. I did it for, like, 10 years. Did my degree. Took a year off. But then I took a year off, and then every day went to the university and sat nice. in classes. And then I did a master's, and then I went did the PhD. And um, and about you in the Europe, by the time you get to your PhD, there's no classes or anything, so it's all just the writing. That's what um, this is. Yeah, it's like three years of masters, and then it's um, I get it. What's called an advisor, but apparently yeah, they're yeah, called okay. supervisors in the UK. Yeah, that's right. Um, and then yeah, it's a clock, it's a PhD clock, and then I have to just like read. Yeah, it's just you just lose yourself and all of that. Yeah. I can't wait. Yeah, so that's what you're going to do. I wasn't sure whether you're yeah you're just going to go all the way. Yeah, very good. Yeah, I don't think a master's. I mean, I'm like uh, unless life events change in some way that is is beyond my scope of comprehension. But yeah, I definitely want to keep going with it because I want to. I I also feel like I just get the opportunity to study and write about literally whatever I want. And I think yeah. a lot of um, I've, I've been reading a lot of stuff about like. Uh, how you choose your topic, which is giving a lot of people a lot of anxiety uh, currently. And I have some loose ideas of where I want to go. Um, but uh, basically, a lot of the the advice is that you should choose a topic that when you're done with it, you will be known for being a scholar in whatever it is that yeah. you, you're studying. And I was like, oh, so you're Roger Rabbit, kind of, yeah, it. it's kind of <laughs> not too that's far your area off. of expertise, yeah. Uh, and I was like, well, I can't, like, I can't become like, I can't study something that's like too esoteric or weird or whatever. But then I was like, no, I think it's, I think because I've come up through comedy and done this weird life and have the opportunity to do whatever I want, I was like, I think I can do 
pretty much anything. So I'm pretty excited about it. I just want to get there. And now I have two more years of classes before that even starts. Very good. Very good. Well, here, have we got any takeaways on terms of the question of the meaning uh, of life? I see you trying to wrap this up, Pete. I got another thing to say about meaning. No, I, I, <laughs> uh, well, obviously, okay, so you, I still don't totally understand how you think that there's meaning in the universe. Yeah. Well, so but I not- like, because you're saying that the universe is, we are the universe looking at itself, which I think is the most beautiful, truest thing in the world. Yeah, they're kind of like a, the self-portraiture of the universe. Yeah. Which is both, but both, be the universe painting itself, but also inventing itself. That's the hardest bit to get your head around. But um, but it is this yeah. this process. And and the reason then that I'm saying there's meaning in the universe is only in the sense that in this Karl Popper uh, quote, Karl Popper is very interesting, very good. But it's the, still this idea that you know we are of course we're indifferent to the universe if we think that we are separate from the universe. Looking at it, if you yeah. imagine just humans being plopped into the universe then the universe, which is everything pretty much, is massive, um, is absolutely indifferent to you. But if you are the, the, the place of, of you birth out of the universe, just like a child bursts from the mother, and then you're interconnected for your entire life in various ways, Beautiful. then yeah, then, then, then you're not indifferent to the universe. You're the universe thinking it's indifferent to itself. And that is very significant. Yeah. I would add only to that that I think we aliens ourselves. Exist. What's that? Aliens exist. They absolutely don't. Pete, we have a lot to talk about. <laughs> uh, they exist, but not here. Uh, but the uh, I would add that I think there is uh, the idea that you yourself, if you look at your own, if you zoom it back in, if you take remove all the universe stuff, mm-hmm. and you just look at your own life. You can look at your own life in the most mundane, the most interesting, the most horrible experiences, and you can find things that seem to me to point toward a particular growth pattern in you, much like an acorn becomes an oak tree. This is a Hillman thing. But you can actually uh, find that, yo, you actually have interests that are speak to you on a very deep level. And I believe that is also a manifestation of the same thing you're talking about, which... Yes. Okay, yeah. And can I say something about that then? That's sure. Good. So, because at the two extremes, you have finding meaning in your personal life in terms of your own projects. You enjoy cooking or you enjoy writing or you enjoy spending time with friends. And then you have at the other side, this this idea that that you are uh, a moment in the universe's unfolding, right? So you got those two. And you're right, in some way they are kind of interconnected. And I would say that they they both have to, like if, if they're divorced from each other, they fall apart. There is a certain sense in which ultimately, this is why I, I'm not a psychoanalyst because I'm not, I think ultimately we find the most depth of meaning, not simply when we find personal meaning, um, but whenever we find, and not even whenever we are able to tarry with our personal traumas, we find yeah. a real uh, depth of meaning when we're able to tarry with the reality that we are the trauma of the universe itself. Trauma. Yeah. That, yeah, basically tra- trauma being a kind of um, unspeakable antagonism in our yeah. subjectivity. So a the, rupture. Yeah, rupture. And the universe, we are the rupture of the universe. And so, and, and they're, they're both interconnected, but I definitely do want the people, I want to help people feel connected with something 
bigger than just yeah. personal interests. You know, and to give a final cherry on this, mm-hmm. at least in terms of my uh, thing, I what I love and what honestly blows my mind every day uh, is to imagine this conversation about space and the universe. It is. It will freaking blow your mind if you think about it long enough. Yeah, like, yeah. it does... It does not make any sense. Yeah. Like, all of this is insane. But if you... My thing that I like to come back to is as much as I imagine the universe, and this goes to the Jungian sort of mm-hmm. view, uh, which would be the space, the whatever, all of that stuff that you can't possibly fathom, uh, I think is just as true in the outside external world as it is in the internal world and in your own brain. And I think that there is su- there's an infinite amount of things you can discover uh, just by looking inward uh, whereas it's both. Like you look outward, you look inward, it's the whole thing. It's yeah. all part of it. There's yeah. no separation. Yes, that, that's it. And, and I'm always in, de- I, like because I, I want to make sure I'm, I separate myself from someone like Alan Watts or whatever, who yeah, is a cool guy, but I'm not, it's like, want to make sure that I'm not, I'm not sounding too kind of whatever, but ultimately, yes, like if you, f- philosophically speaking, what's going on in your mind is what's going on in matter. Like matter has, so mind and matter are interconnected in, in a way that, that, um, that matter is also not at one with itself, just like we as the unconscious, we are not at one with ourselves, so is a rock. Now, it just takes billions of years for a rock to become self-conscious, <laughs> but, but we are the example of that. And, um, that you know of. What's that? You ever talk to a rock? Well, yeah, no. No, uh, I keep yeah. going. <laughs> it was something, yeah. But that's the funny thing. When you look at a rock, especially pre-modern science, you would say there's n- a rock has no life within it. You would look at a rock and think that a rock has, has no kind of otherness. It, a rock is a rock is a rock. But you, no, it's not. Well, in this, yeah, there are many tribal cultures who, you know, would, who you'd believe, you know, that the, the, all the waterfalls and the rocks and all the, those things have a certain amount of, you give them a certain amount of respect. Yeah, there's certain vitality within everything. Energy, life, yes. energy, yeah, yeah, all that yeah, stuff. Yeah, it's beautiful. Yeah. Um, what was it about? I don't know. You you threw in Alan Watts there. Oh yeah, a little bit. Just to kind of. What was your separation from just Alan? To, I mean, he he's a very charismatic guy, and I like him. But he he was much more, and he he has this idea of we are the universe playing hide and seek with itself, and that's fun. But but yeah, which is nice. Um, but uh, he's definitely much more of a wholeness, oneness kind of uh, guy uh, than I am. That explains yeah. it. Yeah. That's why I like him yeah, so much. That's why you like him. <laughs> All right, guys. All right. Thank you very much. Bye. Well, what do you think about... Uh, no, okay. <laughs> We're done. All right. Bye, everybody. Bye.